0: because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Therapy for Your Bunny. Today, I am chatting with Diane Tarshis from Startup Distillery. Hey, Diane, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Julie? Good. Um, It's great to have you. I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and uh, about Startup Distillery.
1: Oh, sure. Um, First, let me just say thank you for having me. Um, so I am, uh, I'm Diane Tarsius, and I am founder of Startup Distillery, which is a consulting firm that I founded 22 years ago, where I help entrepreneurs distill their dreams into growing businesses through custom business plans or roadmaps and one-on-one consulting. Um, I am industry agnostic and geography agnostic too. So that means I work with entrepreneurs in a wide variety of industries, uh, ranging from beverages to biofuels, interior design to product design, um, but also private practices of all kinds. So consulting, legal, creative, therapeutic, and so on. Um, And prior to founding my firm, I had a, a broad corporate background that included a stint on Wall Street in healthcare investment banking, um, manufacturing, operations, and employee benefits, all of which inform the work that I do. So that's me. Very neat.
0: And so um, we were kind of having a chat prior to recording about dist- the word distilling, right? Distillery. Um, and so the way I understood it is you help uh, startups distill their message. So uh, clarify like their direction, add some focus. Am I, am I putting the
1: right words in your mouth here? Um, That's the gist of it that um, anyone who's starting a business, whether it is technically considered a startup or simply a new business, depends how granular you want to get, but anyone who's starting a new business usually has lots of ideas and concerns and, and worries when they're, uh, deciding to make the commitment to launch something. And so I help them distill all of the, those ideas down into the the very best ones that make the most sense and develop a roadmap for turning that into a reality. So that's what I do.
0: Okay. So in that work, um, I know that you've worked with some private practice owners. So
1: what are some of the, the biggest blunders you've seen from new businesses or startups? Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of first-time entrepreneurs think that it's really only the numbers that matter. Um, so they won't worry so much about the conceptual stuff and they'll say, you know what, I need, I need to come up with a budget. When instead, um, particularly with private practice owners, they need to take a step back and think about the products and services they want to offer. Because there actually can be products, maybe books that they're selling, or, you know, relaxation tapes, I'm, mean, you name it, there can be products, and there can be services, and there can be um, partnerships to develop. So a lot of the conceptual work needs to be done. And then the numbers are there to support the conceptual stuff. So the numbers support the words, so to speak. One of the other blunders is not talking to people. So they're ready to develop their budget, their financial projections, and they're Googling information instead of picking up the phone. And if you want to come up with a new phone plan, calling Verizon or AT&T and actually getting the numbers or needing office equipment and guessing or coming up with averages instead of choosing the actual equipment you want to use and calling suppliers to find out you know, how much it costs or going online to Office Depot or Staples or whatever and coming up with real numbers. So that, that act of actually getting real information from real-life people is important. The third one, I'm going to talk about four, I think. Uh, the third one is not understanding your financials. So it's people like you, Julie, that I rely on um, in terms of um, helping clients feel comfortable uh, with their ongoing needs, uh, their ongoing financial needs. So I like to refer clients to people who will, professionals who will um, explain things to them. Uh, And I am guessing you've heard some horror stories, uh, as I have where um, clients will not understand their financial position at all and they'll ask their accountant for information or to explain something and they're made to feel silly or stupid. And anyone who does that is not somebody you should be working with. You need to work with somebody who actually supports you, will explain everything to the point that you will understand it without any hesitation and, um, and makes you feel good about asking questions. So, um, so, and, yeah, last and I would, I would, yeah, I would add ahead.
0: to that, like that doesn't necessarily mean that a business owner is going to know to how to do every single step of every single thing an accountant does, but that you should be able to ask a question and get a, a, a good response that, that you can
1: understand in layman's terms, right? Ab- absolutely. So yeah. if somebody is explaining something in a way that you can't understand that then you either need to ask follow-up questions or if that person is incapable of doing it, then you need to find somebody else who can explain it in layman's yeah. terms. I yeah. think that is so, so, so important. And right, you're not expected to be an accountant. You're just expected to understand the information so that you can make smart decisions going forward. If you don't understand it, then you can't watch out for pitfalls and you can't make the best decisions for your business. So yeah. Um, and last but not least is pricing, where um, um, clients will actually sort of either pick, pick pricing out of thin air or look at competitors and price the way their competitors are without actually taking a look at what their um, costs are and what they need to pay themselves. And so um, you really need to actually be more thoughtful about that. So those are the four biggest blunders that I see
0: got it and and in the the context of a an insurance based practice i could i i see that often also translate into you don't necessarily have a lot of say in how much an insurance will pay you right you if you get on the panel that is what they will pay you mm-hmm. but you don't have to get on all the panels so you can pick and choose which panels you want to be on and and which reimbursements are going to be the most beneficial for you but also that translates into paying the team just because someone else is paying a team member x dollars that doesn't mean that your practice can necessarily afford to do the same, right? You have to look individually what you can afford and what can
1: be sustained in your in your business. Absolutely. And then for the non um, therapeutic pieces of your business, if you're running workshops or. Yeah. Um, uh, events of any kind or, you know, who knows what that lots of opportunities for alternative income, then um, you really need to think about the pricing in those areas because it's not so set and fixed. So,
0: okay. And so a lot of our clients have, for example, their private practice where where they see clients, but also have an idea for something else, another stream of income workshops, like you mentioned, um, live events, maybe retreats, um, Mm -hmm. online courses how would you suggest they approach that new part of the company or that new business entirely?
1: You know, I, I always say that for any new business, you need three things. You need a plan, you need an accountant and you need a lawyer. (laughs) And so with those three things, I'll focus on the plan, um, which is that you need to do your homework. So you need to understand what it is you actually want to offer. So, what products, what services, what the services will look like. So if you want to offer a retreat, um, how long is the retreat? Um, what is the agenda? Um, who are you targeting? Who's the target audience? Um, who do you need to hire to help you know, get the event off the ground? How do you wanna price it? Um, what are the costs involved? So there's a lot to think about, which is why, um, Whether it's a business plan, which is more formal or an informal roadmap, um, one way or the other, you need a plan so that you can figure this stuff out ahead of time and make sure that you're actually going to be making money and that it will be a profitable venture for you.
0: Okay. Um, Is there a way that the second business is different from the first or do you approach it the same way?
1: So your overall business can be multifaceted. So you can have your um, clinical practice, which is uh, has a, a framework or a structure um, in, I want to say, the traditional way. And then there are these sort of adjunct offerings. Um, and so each one needs to be thought through um, in terms of what you want it to look like, how you want to deliver it, how you want to price it, who you want to target. And so that is based on whatever the offering is. So it may be related to your, your, your retreat may be targeting your patients or it may not. It may be something completely different. Your patients um, may be one target audience and maybe you're doing something where you're partnering with corporations and it's some sort of a stress reduc- reduction um, offering, um, you know, a retreat or a workshop or a um going by once a week to offer a, um, meditation session. I, I mean, I'm making this stuff up, but yeah, uh, (laughs) you're doing a great uh, job. Yeah. I'm I'm winging it. But, um, but I think you get the drift. So whatever it is, the name of the game is actually thinking things through whether that is in your own head, which I personally find difficult. I, I think most people do or talking to someone else, whether it's a colleague uh, you know, friends or family or a professional like me, um, usually talking it out with someone helps you figure out, you know, what you're missing, where the gaps in logic are, or, you know, what elements you haven't thought of as relating to the offering, whatever. So,
0: so one thing I think i read on your website is that working with a professional, like you can help you, um, point out any weak assumptions. Um, Mm -hmm. and I thought that was really interesting because what are some, what are some examples of, of things that you've seen where the assumption was just not correct? Uh,
1: I would say the biggest one is that, um, um, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll share this information on social media and, um, I'll be able to get clients that way or customers that way. Um, you know, social media is a tool. It's not a strategy. So uh, that's not <laughs> a great plan if that's the only way you think you can reach um, your target audience. The other, the other part is um, the assumptions that people make in terms of what they think their target audience is thinking or wanting. So Ooh, okay, that's right. It's a biggie. So, um, what I have my clients do is actually go out into the wild and <laughs> I'm going to use this phrase again, talk to people. Talking to people is one of the most important parts, uh, of, um, planning to start a new business. You need to understand your customers. And so, um, I can talk about therapeutic but I can, I'm going to make this easy and just talk about it in terms of grocery items. So sure. let's say you're, you know, you came up with a new, uh, spice that you want to, uh, or herb dried herb or something that you want to, uh, offer. And, um, you want to know whether people would be interested in that and would buy it. And so you have to go to the local grocery store and Actually talk to some people or watch their behavior in the aisles or go to Whole Foods, go to Williams-Sonoma, go to, uh, I'm going to say Jewel because that's the place in Chicago, but um, wherever you are regionally, yeah. um, Kroger, wherever, and um, um, and watch the behavior, ask questions. People. I know my clients get really scared of the idea of actually talking to strangers randomly. Mm -hmm. And it's a little harder now in the pandemic, but people are out there and, um, and usually really willing to talk. So people like to talk about themselves and what they think and believe and like, and so.
0: Great. So what can you tell our listeners that are looking to start their own practice, but they're not quite sure if they should invest in their idea, how they should fund it, all of that?
1: Well, those, those three elements that I talked about are, are definitely the starting point of, you know, a plan. And then if you're really gonna go for it, then an accountant and a lawyer. Um, and, uh, and that involves, you know, again, what products and services are you gonna offer? Where do you want your location to be and why? Um, you know, do you need parking? Do you need to be near public transportation? Um, What support staff will you need? Um, How do you want to price your offerings? So I think doing that planning ahead of time will help you decide whether to take the leap uh, or not. And if you take the leap, you will be prepared, um, uh, far better prepared than if you hadn't done the homework and legwork uh, of figuring all of this out for your roadmap or plan, so.
0: When, and take, by taking the leap, um, are you talking about having a budget and deciding like, are you willing to spend this amount of your personal funds? Or like, how, how do you have someone um, approach that side of things?
1: The financial part of it? Yes. Well, that involves doing the financial projections. So that means coming up with your target revenues. So being reasonable in terms of estimating, you know, how many, patients do you think you're going to have in months one through three? Um, How many workshops or retreats do you think you're going to run in quarter one, quarter two, quarter three? Um, talking Potentially talking to um, um, other therapists who have been there already and get a sense of what it was like when they started up. How long did it take to build up their practice? that is invaluable information that I always encourage clients to go out and get, Um, you know, learn from those who have gone before you. Um, So, (laughs) um, and so that's on the revenue side and same on the flip side, in terms of talking to others who've gone before you, but also again, picking up the phone or walking into stores or, you know, going on to staples.com, but Um, Getting that specific information on what things actually cost, including sales tax, including delivery charges, um, to figure out what your expenses are, and talking to someone who is an expert, whether that is an accountant, whether that is uh, an advisor like me, um, about expenses you might not have thought of, um, and making sure that you've got everything there. And then you can see what's it going to cost for me to launch my own practice? Um, You, you, you can't guess, you can't wing it. You really have to do the homework to see the numbers in black and white. And, and it's a calculation. You've got to figure it out. Well, Diane, thank you so much for this. I want to ask you
0: um, as my last question, what is your favorite business book and why?
1: You know, I knew you were going to ask me this and, (laughs) and I was like, shoot, you know, I tend not to read Business books because you know I went to business school and so I certainly had my fill and um, so I I love a good novel Um, but I did think back and um, there were actually there are actually two Um, the one that I've liked the best is something called Content Chemistry by a man named Andy Crustadina. and he talks everything about content and. And gives a very clear, linear, um, engaging explanation about marketing content in whatever form that is. So, um, podcasts and blog posts and um, websites and SEO and all of these, all of this um, content marketing stuff that can be very mysterious. It's all in one place in this book, Content Chemistry, that I really loved. Um, And the other one, it was a tie is um, called $100 Startup by, Mm. I'm gonna probably mispronounce his last name, but Chris Guillebeau, Um, he took the, both of these books are about 10 years old. um, And Chris wrote this book um, where he really took the mystique out of starting a new business. He makes it seem so approachable and doable um, in a way that I felt really takes the fear out of it for a lot of people um so 100 dollar startup was was the other one
0: all right those are good resources we'll link to those um on the website as well um Diane, thanks for your time today uh, if anyone is interested in reaching out to you or finding out more about the work that you do where can they find you
1: they can find me at startupdistillery.com that's all my contact info is on there online calendar phone number i love spontaneous phone calls um People can sign up for my newsletter, get details about my services. Um, And I also want to make a special offer to your audience. Yes, please. Um, So a special offer for good for three months. Uh, I am offering one hour of free consulting that I will make available to everyone um, using the coupon code therapy. So very
0: cool. Thanks for doing that. Sure. All right. Perfect. So we will add a link to that also in the show notes as well. So both of your books, your uh, contact info and a reminder of the coupon code. Thanks for coming on, Diane. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.